Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Hi there, and welcome to another extra special edition of Thrashing Treasure, the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that sets out to unravel the myths taken from Wikipedia's music pages. And speaking of myths taken, I'm not Aaron, but I am Spencer, and I'm joined as usual by our unusual producer. It's Aaron, the village idiot. How are you doing today, Aaron? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing great. It's our first show back for the year. Are you excited? Yes, it is. I thought after last summer in Australia, I died doing maybe 10 recordings through the summer. So this year, I'm like, no, we're going to take some time off this time. And it's sort of given us a chance to train you guys up and have some rehearsals and stuff like that. So that's why we haven't had any episodes in a little while. I am sorry to our listeners out there who have been waiting, but it's summer. Please let me just have some time off. But anyways, that's it for me. Guess what, Aaron? What? We have another literary diva inside Pee Wee's Playhouse today. And as a rising star in the universe of pop culture literature, he's definitely somebody you'll want to phone home about. Having hit the scene with essays across various publications, today's extra special guest has been seen in the movies that made us on Netflix and read in Decider, Rolling Stone, Fatherly, The Hollywood Reporter, plus more with featured essays on some of the most beloved cinematic classics, including Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Twilight Zone, and the blockbuster hit Howard the Duck, as well as some of the greatest figures in the industry, including Weird Al Yankovic, Big Bird, the artist formerly known as Prince, and of course, Howard the Duck. This lovable lad hopped on his bike and soared into the galaxy with his acclaimed and official visual companion to E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which signs a glowing finger onto his pop cultural visual gift for a Christmas story behind the scenes of a holiday classic. We don't need Rhodes, the making of Back to the Future, The Dark Crystal, The Ultimate Visual History, and Inside Pee-Wee's Playhouse. Oh wait, I said that one. So please help me in saying shalom to this mighty Morphin Power writer and super nerd who's recently been making a scuffle with not one but two books celebrating the impact the black community has had on Broadway. Footnotes, the black artists who rewrote the rules of the Great White Way, and the upcoming When Broadway Was Black, the triumphant story of the all-black musical that changed the world, which drops tomorrow and celebrates today's chosen musicals. So before we run out of time, we better McFly, because we're just wild about this guy, Mr. Kassin Gaines. Welcome to the Torture Chamber. (laughs) Oh my god, let me tell you, I've listened to some past episodes of your podcast, and I was so, so looking forward to the intro. (laughs) So you you did not disappoint. I I so appreciate that. And Howard the Duck is a cinematic classic. I just want to say that. I'll fight you to the death. That was not sus at all. Not at all. (laughs) But anyways, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yep, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, Spencer, you're hosting. I'm sorry. I've, I've hosted 50 episodes in a row, so it's going to be very hard for me to not be a backstage <laughs> driver. I apologize. Spencer, we're going to put the muzzle on Aaron. We're going to we're going to work it out. I have my own. Shut up. You're not hosting. That is literally <laughs> written on a piece of paper on my laptop. So I'm going to shut up. Yes. Yeah, so we have more on your latest book later in the show, which you've just been flying around promoting. So thanks for taking the time to join us. You've been uh, making sure to find time to nap. <laughs> I've been trying to find time to nap. Not not doing a good job of it, though. A tip is to have your knees above your chin. And apparently <laughs> you get twice as much sleep in half the time or something like that. I don't know. This was Sarah Michelle Gellar said this in an interview 20 years ago when talking about being a dancer. I took it as gospel. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you released a book on E.T., which just we're going to take a moment of silence because I recently sorted out all my Lego it took two weeks, but I got there and our ET minifigure is missing. So just a, a oh, no. small memorial. I know, right? It came in the Dimensions pack, the, the video game. And so it's rare. It's not, you know, part of a set. I can't just get a hundred of them. <laughs> so rest in peace. Oh, no. 
a little brat stole it off my nephew, but anyways. Oh, do you know who stole it? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. You can just steal it back. No, he, he, he gave back a whole bag of Lego that he had stolen. E.T. was not in there. So I was hoping maybe I would find it. So it was kind of like stolen twice. It was like stolen and then like not returned, but... Yes. Interesting, interesting. Mm. Yes. So, but yes, no, so that's actually why I noticed your books on pop culture, on sci-fi. I had no idea you had books on theatre. I just noticed you were a super nerd with super nerdy books. And I'm like, yes, this is, you know, someone that I would circle around and, and invite on the show. And then you baited me with your, I'm releasing a theatre book, any podcast. And you know what? <laughs> Other people have done that and asked me and I didn't take the bait. Really? But I, I was already sort of interested in in what you were doing. And Well, it's funny. I feel like I'm like the perfect, I mean, no disrespect to any of your other guests, but I feel like I am the perfect guest for this. And I know like we're not talking music yet, but like the music selection, A++ for me. We Again, I'm jumping the gun. I know I am, but like, this is this is going to be the best episode of the podcast. I hope so. It's our first back from hiatus, so it would to be bloody good, I tell you that. There you go. We've been saving up. Uh, but anyways, Spencer, I'll let you take over. Sorry. Sorry, I'm... Spencer. We're not behaving. Sorry. Go ahead. I've actually slept. I'm so proud of you, Aaron. You slept. Six hours. Six. What? That's amazing. I'm not going to be able to tonight. I, I walked over uh, to my apartment. There's one of the yellow signs that there's filming of a cop show tonight at four in the morning. And I'm oh, sure no. it'll be very loud and I will not be able to sleep. Try try putting your knees over your, what was it? Knees over your chin? Try that, it <laughs> might work out. I know, you, you asked Sarah Michelle Geller about that. That was not me, anyways. So speaking of music, we're gonna talk about some metal. Yep. What would you be in your craziest, most over-the-top writer? Anything oh. you could ask for. Oh God, um, the first thing that came into my mind is I love breakfast cereal. Oh yeah. So I would probably want like, unlimited boxes of and if i'm going to be specific it's a writer so you can do whatever you want yes. i would want in a clear bowl like fruity pebbles cinnamon toast crunch maybe just those two and i would need um organic two percent milk sorry it's a little it's a little bougie but it's what i would want orange soda all my all my writer things are food <laughs> i'm realizing <laughs> um and like a like a like a Chase Lounge. <laughs> I think those are all the things that I would want. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what. Do you know what goes really great with cereal? Ice cream. Oh my god! Chocolate, vanilla, doesn't matter. I love, I love ice cream too. Yeah, no, always a big bowl of chocolate ice cream with Fruit Loops on top. I don't know what you guys call things in in America. We have our own names for things here. Yeah, Fruit Loops. No, Fruit Fruit Loops is the name. Okay, oh, Fruit with Toucan Sam. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'll, Awesome. Oh, no, no, like you call Rice Krispies, we call Rice Bubbles, but it's still Snap, Crackle and Pop. Wait, why do you, why are they bubbles? They don't, they're not really bubbly. I mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm asking you like you named them. Because they've puffed up. Yeah, I don't know. But fun fact, Wheat Bix were actually invented to turn society into a sexless society. That's why they're so bland. And this is no joke. The Sanitarium Corporation. Rice Krispies? No, Wheat Bix. Oh, oh. Or Wheaty Bix or, you know, they're like just the... We call them, um oh, like um not mini wheats. Like wheat, wheat... I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, you know, like frosted mini wheats, but they have them that are not frosted. Oh. They have them in like a big size. Yeah. Like a, a cake, like a, a, a thing yeah. of soap, but they're just like dry wheat <laughs> flakes. Yeah. That are, 
crunch together. No, we have those. I just don't think anyone eats them. I don't think anyone in the country eats them, but but they exist. Well, no, because it turns everyone sexless. That's why, because we all caught on to that. That's like legitimately why they were invented, because they're so bland. And granola bars as well. So next time you go pick up a granola bar, remember you're not having sex tonight but anyway we'll move on from cereal i'm gonna get hungry because it is morning in australia so casein what's your experience with metal if any my experience with metal is really slight i mean i um you know to be honest with you i'm a i i like pop music so i like the the, the metal that i've heard you might say like oh that's like pop music you know what i mean like, that's not like the real stuff but um, you know, I was really into when uh, Mechanical Animals was out. I, you know, I, that was a different time. That was a different time. But yep, yep. I, 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 I did not know anything at that time. But yep. oh, none of us knew really. No, no, no. But I was really into that album. Um, you know, so no, I have a, a very limited knowledge, I guess, of of metal. Are you both like lifelong metal fans? I'm not. Well, I'm punk, if anything. Like I used to have a mohawk and everything. I love this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want to derail this whole thing, but then no, 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 like no. why can you explain to me a little bit like how you arrived at looking at metal albums? I'm fascinated by this. Well, I used to have different co-hosts and like a full-on metal head knew nothing about musicals. And I'm like, well, I want to keep the show going because we're sort of on this trajectory going up. Um, and so Spencer's stepped in and I've got two other co-hosts, but we're all team musical. I love, this is so, so have you, are you discovering these albums at the same time as your guests? Yes. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, I've done 80 something. Yeah. 80 episodes. This is our 81st of this show. So I've technically become a metalhead clockwork orange style just by being forced to listen to this. That's why we call it a torture chamber because it is, anyways. When I got into it, Aaron had just said, hey, do you want to come on and do a couple of reviews of Broadway shows? Because I live in New York. I'm a college student. My goals since I've been here is to see every show eligible for the Tonys. Um, last year, I did that, except for, I think, like three. This year, I've missed a couple because we've had some premature closings. Yeah. But I've really been trying to. I've seen all the musicals thus far. I haven't started this second set that's about to open in a couple weeks. We have like 12 things coming in. Mm-hmm. And so I've just started doing those. And then when Aaron needed a co-host, I said, sure. Yeah. So this week, I chose Body Count by Body Count because, yay, I like a good titularly eponymous album so the opening of this album was very unexpected there was um that like sort of interlude very unexpected and then the first song was very like funky and uh hard hitting and then we got to the another interlude i I really enjoyed the interludes because they let my ears rest which (laughs) being honest like (laughs) that's what they did well, look, fair, look, fair enough, because metal isn't for everybody. Yes. I really enjoyed the song Body Count. Had that really, really cool ethereal intro that reminded me of Stairway to Heaven. And then went right into that, like, punky section. And then really enjoyed Voodoo. Very funky and groovy, which is someone who's a jazz musician and funk music. Uh, that's where I tend to, to go towards. And so I, I really liked that. I'll give it, like, a four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept I liked it better than a lot of our, our recent listens because um, there was a lot more like funk and groove stuff than the past. It wasn't like ah as much. Um, yeah, I, I really liked that. 
Casein, did you get a chance to listen? I did. I did get a chance to listen. And I was um, completely surprised by it. I knew nothing about body count. And then I felt I felt like embarrassed and ashamed that I had never heard of body count because I was like, wait a second, there's iced tea. Like, I feel like I should have known this. I really liked it. Like I, again, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I just went into it completely blind. I didn't look anything up. I just hit play. And just like you said, from the interlude, I was like, whoa, okay. Um, Then, you know, I thought the lyrics were so great, like throughout at at times they were kind of like a little playful, but not, not in like a silly way. They were obviously like really socially conscious and really um, hard hitting and like, like aggressively in your face, you know, like, like they were like hard hitting advocacy. Um, I think my favorite song, or you know what? I like Body Count. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I think the song that like really kind of like caused me to stop what I was doing and listen was the the Mama song. I, I don't I, know the yeah. exact name of it, but like Mama's that gonna song, die tonight. Mama's gonna die tonight. That yeah. song is number one, like such a journey. Like mm-hmm. such a journey, that song. And also. I, I don't know. I just liked what it had to say, you know, like like for, for a song about killing your mom, you know, for God's sake, it was a, a, a song that I thought was like really, um, really kind of cool and important. And so I really liked it. I liked the interludes. Um, they did give my ears a chance to rest too, but I also thought they were like, they all were just really appropriate lead-ins to the song, you know, in that like, 90s kind of vibe where interludes were more common sometimes the interludes had absolutely nothing to do with the song that was going before or after it and I felt like this was a real album you know it was like a beginning to end journey so I really liked it It, honestly as, as silly as it sounds I know we're we're talking theater too but like it felt like like a concept album like I felt like I I went somewhere from beginning to end with this album yeah uh, just on on the Mama song, the, the I think it was the final song in the album. The overall message of that, like obviously, like if my mum was to hear that, she would be furious. Be like, "Why are you listening to this shit?" And just she would take it personally. Yeah, same, same. As if I'm listening to it as some sort of attack on her. But the message in the song is the dangers of I'll say us as parents slash guardians because I do raise my nephew on passing our shit onto our kids. Yeah, And where they take that out of the house, it is a problem Mm -hmm. for not just decades. It's been a problem for centuries with our species because human beings are fucking idiots. And let's face it, shitty behavior is cyclical. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is cyclical, because we do pass that shit on to our kids. So that's what that song is about. And he's expressing his anger about that. And um, also there goes the neighborhood heartbreaking song as well a lot of the the songs on this are on this album are a lot of body count songs full stop are heartbreaking as much as they are hard hitting i think because they're speaking such truth there goes neighborhood is a prime example of that and i picked this actually because i had listened to this as a seven-year-old child in australia so there was no social thing on me. Wow. It was just music. It was just music with some very foul language. So as a seven-year-old, you're giggling. But voodoo 
was one that always stuck out to me because there was such a story in it. And I think that might have been one of my earliest examples beyond Bohemian Rhapsody and beyond musical theatre of hearing a story properly in a song and actually listening to the story. Because obviously there's stuff like American Pie and The Hurricane, that's that's another you know really famous uh, story song. But I don't think I got that they were stories until later in life whereas voodoo i i remember as a child putting that song on repeat in my sister's room i loved it it was just because it would be like voodoo and even when we covered body count earlier on in in this series on this show the week before when it was given to me my co-host said next week you're getting a little band called body count and the first word that comes out of my mouth is voodoo like that because it just (laughs) i remembered it i hadn't heard Hmm. it in 30 years Hmm. But it's stuck, you know, and, and I guess that's that. Well, that's just the power of music, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I had had the moment where I was yeah. like, oh, this guy sounds like Ice T. And then I Googled it. <laughs> and It was Ice T. I had the same exact moment where I heard him say he says like, and this is Ice T or something like that. And I was like, he does kind of sound I had the exact same thing. Mm. And then I and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God, wait a second. <laughs> He's not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I've known this my whole life. How weird is that? It's like we, we had spoken the other day about Shuffle Along, the musical we're about to do, that someone had said is how they gone their whole life not knowing this. And I'm like, how did I learn about this as like 11-year-old kid in Australia? Not just an 11-year-old kid, I'm a literal, I'm, I'm so white, I am translucent almost. <laughs> you know, you, you put a torch up to me, I will glow all over, basically. So it does show that music, it will not discriminate yeah really the lyrical content may that's in the intention of who's writing and who's performing it obviously as as we talk about on this show but yeah so as i say like i i didn't walk away from this hearing the social messages as a child i just heard fucking great music Mm -hmm. you know that swore a lot a hell of a lot and you know as a seven-year-old i would giggle so (laughs) it's not funny but as an adult i've i gave the the album we did last time which i think was the most recent one i gave that five stars and i would definitely give this one five stars as well so that's why when when spencer said four and i'm like all right i'll accept (laughs) you'll allow it you'll allow it i'll allow it (laughs) well here's the thing with my ratings is like it still isn't something that i would listen to like normally yeah like that's what a five stars is for me so like that's why it was a four you don't think you would go back to this like you, like you have no, you you don't need to listen to it again. Like maybe I would, but like it wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna add this to my playlist, sort of thing. See, I, I but it's funny because I actually felt that way. I was like, I have to put some of these songs on my playlist from having never heard it before. Voodoo went in my playlist. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Yes, and uh, Body Count went in my playlist. Yeah, which one? The Body Count Anthem or this is Body Count? The the first one. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad though. Because, yeah, it, it, it does show, because we're going to talk about it lightly next week, how the, there is such a, a connection, there's a bridge, there's emotion in there, there's stories in there, there's hard-hitting messages, there's heartbreaking stories as well, you know, there's anger as well, there is anger at the disillusionment of the man or, you know, the, the patriarchy or the system, whatever it is, you know, and it just happens to be in a different style. That's all. No, same with punk and But I think what I like too is like there's there's anger, but the anger is also like we've got I've got to do something. Yeah. You know, it's not just like here I am sitting in this state. It's also like 
no, I'm taking charge of this thing. Like this is like yep. the system is broken, you know, like you said, but I'm I'm stepping up. And that I, I thought was really kind of like exciting to listen to. You know yep. what? Or I'll put it this way. For an album from 1991 or 1992, mm-hmm. like, you know, that album sounds like it it could have been from today in terms of like what it was saying and also like it just sounded good. I don't know. I'm a I'm a new fan. I think you I think yeah. you've converted me. Oh awesome. But to saying that that makes my skin tone cold that 30 years have gone past and this album is more relevant than ever today across so many boards. Not just yeah. one. Not just the yeah. one that is speaking of this album. And that's just anyways, I'll have to put a dollar in the jar if I talk about politics. On this show, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad because yeah, I, I never know. I never know with guests who's going to like what and if something's going to turn them off or, you know, it's going to be too much for them. But And i also glad that you liked it, Spencer, because I was also worried about my co-host not liking it and then saying I hated it in front of our guests and we offend our guests. And um, what would you give it out <laughs> of five? Sorry, Spencer, this is your job. Well, you already said it, Aaron. I want to give it a five. I want to give it a five, I think. Correct answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> there goes the neighborhood, so we're going to an ad break. G'day, listeners. Aaron here. We thought we'd better send a spy to Broadway to check out the shows for us. So here for today's review is our Broadway spy, Spencer. And now we have Kimberly Akimbo at the Booth Theater. Kimberly Akimbo is one of my favorite musicals that I've seen in a very long time. It's one of the most uplifting things I've ever seen. The book by David Lindsay Abair is hilarious and moving, um, and the music by Janine Tesori is exactly what you'd expect from a Janine Tesori score. It, it has the great pop moments, but also great ballad moments. The scenic design by David Zinn was really well done you have things coming out of walls very minimalistic but also the stage felt full which i feel is really hard to do on a stage that size that they have at the booth now the cast you have victoria clark as kimberly akimbo and it's really hard to play a 16 year old at 60 years old she has the mannerisms of a 16 year old and it feels like she is a 16 year old and her performance is amazing I think she'll win the Tony Award for Best Lead Actress in this role. And then you have Justin Cooley, who's making his Broadway debut at 19 years old as her love interest and best friend. His performance is fantastic. And I mean, to be making a Broadway debut at that age is really fantastic. And then the standout in this show for me was Bonnie Milligan as Aunt Deborah, who is hilarious. Just those songs that she's singing are amazing. I I hope... uh, you go see Bonnie Milligan in this show because she is just fantastic. Now, whether this show is for tourists or purists, this show is for everyone. It is for tourists. It is for theater lovers who who don't really know what they want to see. This show is it. This show is the moment. It is amazing. And it is at the Booth Theater on Broadway. You're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Spencer, that's Aaron, and we're joined by pop culture author Haseen Gaines. Oh, uh, now I didn't finish this fun. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that, Aaron. I, I forgot to fill in a question. But uh, is 
Spencer said, and may you say your name correctly. So it's it's Cassine, but it's okay. That's what I've been saying, but then Spencer said Cassine, so I'm I'm pointing the finger at him. Well, I'm I'm American. <gasps> Don't out Spencer. <laughs> no, I will take it. I will take it. It's it's mine. Well, I wasn't sure, so we ask all our guests, anyways. It's okay. We'll just do it moving forward. It's cool. Yeah. It's just like look if I'm deli- if I know how to pronounce a guest's name and I'm deliberately mispronouncing it, you know I'm doing it just to shit stir that guest, <laughs> which I've done. And I won't name who it was, but the guest knows it was all in in good fun. So, Aaron, what's the fun career based question? I don't know. I've I obviously I've forgotten to write one down. Um. Okay. We'll ask this one here then. If you could write any thoughts about writing a book about sports, because obviously you've got a lot of pop culture, film, TV, theater. You know, not really, but I did yeah. have um. Like, really briefly, I thought about writing a book about um, the first, like, all-black heavyweight champion, um, and and I, but then, like, that book had already been written, and it was, like, so it literally lasted, like, 30 seconds. I was, like, oh, that would be, like, a really cool, like, idea, and then I looked it up on Amazon, and someone had already done it, and I was, like, okay, I'll go back to my theater and aliens and talking ducks. That that seems, that seems like where I'm better acquainted, I guess. Yeah. So... Musical this week is Shuffle Along. Aaron, what do you think of it? All righty. I've got a review. Would we like to hear it? Hear from me again. That's what we want. Anyways, when we first decided to shuffle along, it was admittedly with slight hesitations, given the lack of a cast album for either original 1921 or the 2016 making of musical. I thought it might be difficult to dive headfirst into this pioneering musical, but it turns out Thespis is watching over us, and there is indeed a fairly comprehensive archival album filled with both demo and live recordings. And so I pressed play on the Spotify and treated the opening track like a vocal-filled overture, given that it's a medley that's five minutes long. And then Oriental Blues started, and the poor quality of the sound ruined what would have been, at the time, a cute novelty song. Even if lyrically and contextually, it wouldn't really hold up today. But I realise that it's more being done out of innocence and cheekiness than an act of hatred, and that is important anytime. Then love will find a way started, and I suddenly realised I had left Spotify on shuffle again. Oh hey, I smell a sequel. Anyway, I rectified the situation and re-listened to the Overture medley before track two began, and I groaned. Politics. Ugh. A dollar in the jar. And then a rather crackly piece of dialogue started crackly but fascinating with a funny punchline that would have caused a stir if said today let's face it admittedly though the shouty acting and crackly quality took some enjoyment upon the fifth sixth even tenth listen especially whilst i'm using a sound bar and not my good surround sound anyways it turns out i'm just wild about harry and i'm just wild about harry is also a song i already knew highlighting this show's impact on music in general also familiar was i'm just simply full of jazz and Mirandi. But the point must be made that I am a moron, and by my 15th listen, I think I've heard every song before, and Mirandi has all the makings of a classic earworm. But also, on a negative note, Mary Ann was not so nice. At less than a minute, there was a moment at 4am, after a short nap, that I pressed play, and that song went on for 10 minutes, or so it felt like, with its drawn-out Mary Ann. But it turns out I'd accidentally hit repeat. Moron says what? What can I score an album or show with such a mixed bag of quality, a very simple story, and no proper pro shot? Well, it wouldn't be fair on those levels to judge too harshly. 
So for the second time on this show, I raise my white flag and surrender because I may be a moron, but I'm not a complete dick. Just a semi. Which means Spencer gets a surrender to use in the future. So I loved the songs individually because I knew a few of them and I could hear what they're going for. And I knew there was this cute little, very, very simple story about two guys running for mayor and one wins and then someone else tries to defeat them or tear them down or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. I can't remember who runs off at the end of the show, but I knew like three or four of the songs just from pop culture in general just from hearing them on commercials or with my nana but then as i say by the time i listen to an album 15 times there is always every album i think hang on had i heard this before had i known this but i never know is it just the past few days or is it the past (laughs) 20 30 nearly 40 years oh god i'm old so yeah i i would love them to beef this out and do it properly not in making of like I, I know that was great and i listened to that because i have friends who have been nominated for tony's so we were able that to sampler album that little sampler six yeah. six track thing so friends of mine were able to help me listen to that um having been given the sampler album it was 30 minutes long um and a couple only a couple of the songs were from this thing but it's fascinating if anything 1921 to be hearing dialogue on the stage yeah what how, how did they record it like <laughs> well those that that dialogue actually was done um in the studio oh okay. but it was the actual but it was the actual dialogue from the show so yeah. it's funny that they did record some of that it was just like an old comedy album you know where they did um some of the that dialogue um but yeah the quality is so inconsistent isn't it on that recording yeah. it's an interesting sort of thing yeah, and usually I have surround sound, so usually it's spread out across my room. But at the moment, I've just got the sound bar. A- anyways, yeah, so the, the the quality was a bit rough. Now, it's funny you say that that dialogue was recorded in a studio because it sounded like they were... It sounded shouty because it sounded like back then when they didn't have microphones to yeah. pick them up on the stage. So you'd have to speak a little bit louder. You had to be heard. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I, I found it fascinating if anything and that's why i i feel like it's more of a sort of um i i don't want to say museum piece if you will but uh, as opposed to just getting a show and being able to listen to the album and knowing the story if you will it's sort of like a showcase mm-hmm. of this is what was uh, archival that's what it's, it's archival so I, I do feel i would even if i was to give it a, a good score I, I sort of feel like it wouldn't be fair because i, I wouldn't be judging it right does that make sense mm-hmm. so yeah, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it, Aaron. Awesome. You can wave your white flag. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> what was interesting for me is I was like, why didn't I hear of the 2016 thing? And I looked up the season yeah. and I was like, oh, because it was the year that Hamilton was out. That's yeah. why I didn't hear of it, because all everyone was talking about from that season was Hamilton. And my only exposure to the show was the Tony Awards. Yeah. Was the performance on the Tony Awards. Nominated for 10. Yeah. And I believe didn't win a single. No. And closed how many days later? They announced the closing, I think, within a week. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was actually touted as being the next Hamilton, as being, you know, a revolutionary new show. And it didn't win a Tony and see you later. Like, that's not just brutal. That's cruel. That's rude. Mm. 
It's rude. It's rude on everyone involved. Well, there there are other shows from that year that are that are fantastic shows that eventually got their due. I mean, I think of Waitress as an example that you know it ran healthily for yeah. five years. You know, partially because of stunt casting, but you know, somewhat sometimes stunt casting works. And I got to see Sarah Bareilles in that show, and she was amazing. But this show didn't need a stunt cast. It had Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell and Billy Porter. Yeah, Billy, yeah, they're not sticking around for the run though. For you know, for three years. Yeah, and had it been given the time, they could have had some incredible performers come through there. But not sorry, that pisses me off because when you think about it, this original performance in 1921 ran for five hundred performances. Yeah, which was ridiculous for that time. And the the 2016 ran for a hundred. <laughs> you know, it's just it's yeah. staggering. It's unbelievable. It's it's almost insulting. The thing that kills me is the is the lack of cast recording and the lack of pro shot. I mean, there is a pro shot at Lincoln Center, but I mean, yeah, you have to be in New York. You have to be able to go. You know, you have yep. to. It's under lock and key. So yes, almost. rub it in that I'm not in New York. <laughs> Everyone rubs it in on this show. Oh, no, sorry, but but you know, but even if you're in New York, you know, you still have to kind of have good reason to go see it. They don't just let anyone yeah. in, and so. It's a fascinating thing that you have this show with such a robust history, and yet the history, it seems, just keeps getting, like, papered over. <laughs> it's kind of a sad thing. It is, and I believe it was revived? Uh, yeah, I think in 33 and 52. Oh, so, okay, how did it do in 33? Oh, God, that was some tense times in the world those years. Shit. Um, let's see, let's... But it's a it's a funny thing. The the thirty three production actually opened in thirty two in into, okay. like in like yeah. December, yeah. and they anticipated it running through thirty three, but it closed so prematurely that it didn't even make it to thirty three. The show was called Shuffle Along of nineteen thirty three. Oh yeah, opened in thirty two and never made it to thirty three. Um, and the fifty two revival had four performances on Broadway. Four That's it. Jesus Christ. How, how is it that the 1921 production is the most successful out of all four of these? I think because I think it was just sort of innovative. You know, it was innovative for 21. And um, yeah, true. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned, Aaron, some of the material not holding up. But even by even by 32 and certainly by 52, some of the material still didn't hold up. You know, even that long ago. I would have thought that the racist terminology would have been accepted in the 50s more than today. But but with the theater community, not so much, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, I can understand that. Yes. So you had a lot of people in the theater community and, and a lot of people in the black community that, that had no problem with the 21 show. Yeah. Um, or most people had no problem with the 21 show really kind of saying like the 52 show was horrible and was a step backwards and we should be looking for better representation. And I, you know, I'm certainly understanding of that point. Sure. Yeah. No, so that I can understand. Yeah. But in terms of how America was at the time. Yeah. Well, and that's what you were saying the, the other day, Aaron. That's what you were saying the other day, that the fact that America accepted this in the 20s was was crazy. And, and then we get to a hundred years later, and and or ninety five years later, and that production lasts a hundred with Audra, mm-hmm. Billy Porter, 
It doesn't make sense to me. No, nope. it's okay. She she was fantastic in Ohio State Murders. Was she? I heard the show was was stunning. I mean, I know someone that just saw it, like saw it. I think two days before it closed or something, and they they were like in tears that it was closing, like because it was that good. Like, they thought like, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was really fantastic. I rushed it. And I had front row center and Audra was there like five feet in front of me. And it was one of the most like life changing performances I've ever seen. Just to, to see her like that. Shame she wasn't singing. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, shit happens. It blew me away when, when Spencer told me that that's how the other two productions had gone. But when you look at it, it was the 1920s, 500 performances like you do 500 performances now. That's a that's a major success. Yeah. considering the times we're in with COVID, you know, things that are prematurely closing, but that's sort of, that's what it was like back then because it was the twenties. Things wouldn't last forever. Mm-hmm. And there was like the Spanish flu and stuff like that, like things like polio and all that jazz. Prohibition. Prohibition as well. So in, in terms of doing a book on a musical from 1921, where do you begin? Where's your ground zero in all of this? how you came up with the idea i guess or not you didn't come up with the idea it says but yeah yeah, so believe it or not i actually saw the 2016 shuffle along the day before it closed okay yeah and and that was not on purpose i i actually had the tickets for a long time and it just so happened that you know when they announced their premature closing it became the day before it closed and um and so I was in the audience for a really small, intimate um, talk back. And it was actually Brian Stokes Mitchell who had the most profound impact on me because he was really kind of upset at the fact that the show was closing prematurely. And the fact that this show in 2016 was sort of telling the story of a show that they all felt was so significant. And there were so many Black performers in this show and Audra and Billy and him, you know, and, and, you know, you had these sort of, you know, the Black Avengers of Broadway, you know, sort of in this show. And yet it was closing with kind of very little uh, fanfare. And so I think I just, you know, as, as a writer and, and, you know, we talked about, I mostly write about movies and television shows, but to me, they're just sort of interesting stories, you know, um, even, even like the Howard the Duck thing. It's funny because to me, I just think it's fascinating that you have this movie that everyone thinks is going to be this huge success and that it just isn't, you know, like to me, that's just an interesting story and looking at what, what went awry or a foul, if you will. There you go. Right. I, I normally bring my own, my own snare. Well, it was a bit poultry, but Ooh. you are winging it. God, I have to duck out of the next one. Um, so, But honestly, then I just started feeling like there's such a story to be told about not only the making of the 21 show, but my book also kind of looks at the wild ride of the history of Shuffle Along. Mm-hmm. So it's in a weird way, it's the history of Shuffle Along. And then it's also like looking at the history of Shuffle Along and how it ends up being strangely that like the two Americans on the podcast right now barely knew anything about the show. And yet somehow like Aaron and Australia knew about the show and it's, it's bizarre in that way. Right about it. Like not much, but I, I sort of, I I hear names and things stick around. Yeah. So I'm just wild about Harry was on a commercial years ago for the Australian version of the price is right. Cause the host is named 
was named Larry Emder. Uh, and so they had a version of it, I'm Just Wild About Larry. And so like that was maybe 20, 25 years ago. Obviously, I didn't know that that song was from this show in particular, but also I did crossword puzzles for many years and they were musical theatre ones. And so I had that many names of shows and composers and songs and all that jazz written down the name shuffle along had you know passed my eyes numerous times without actually knowing you know it's full-on impact um and i think i even i may have known about the d33 version but again that could just be the whole listening to things a hundred times because <laughs> i've got theater books and stuff like that and so there is a whole bunch of stuff that i learned as a kid that even now as an adult and i hear americans say well i didn't know about that i'm like how do i know about that then how on earth was i such a nerdy learner kid that I was sitting there reading theater books as an 11 year old kid to know stuff like this it just goes to show screw borders and screw time and all that music will reach wherever and it will last if it's good you know it it will it doesn't matter who where what why and how in my opinion because it's music yeah it's music it has no solid form it can fit everywhere um well that's really profound Put on the back of me. Uh, yeah. I like that for a transition, Aaron. Uh, so we're going to shuffle along to an ad break. G'day, listeners. Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com dot com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of the Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before, not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. How can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep as most prisoners seem to be. How? There's no fence to squeeze through, or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean, to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened, everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching, and then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. 
I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime, but it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins. But both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed, Toniston joins Polly on her own, equally uncomfortable one. Spotting a large, white package hovering close to the cave ceiling, behind it a shadowy figure. The package is lowered down, causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well, hoping not to be spotted by whom, or what, may be operating this obscure crane. Over a long, slow descent, the package is dropped to the ground. Polly keeps her eyes on it, but Toniston looks up immediately, spotting a large black shadow scurry away to God only knows where. Come, he whispers, as he quietly hops off her bed, slipping into his docks with bare feet. Polly follows his lead. Careful to keep watch on all directions, the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package, their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony, and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! You're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Spencer, that's Aaron, and we're joined by a rising literary star. I'm going to say it wrong. Can you correct me again? Kasin? Kasin. 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 Okay. Ah, Kasin. Yeah. Kasin. Yes. We're joined by rising literary store Kasin Games. Star, not store. <laughs> you know what, Aaron? You can put it together. I'll do it again. I can whip my magic. Yes, I know. All right, go. Sorry. Here, I'll, I'll give you a good take of it. Okay, yep. You're listening to Thrash and something. <laughs> You're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Spencer. That's Aaron. And we're joined by rising literary star, Casein Gaines. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did I say it wrong again? Ka, ka. Casein. I've been in class all day, okay? Yes, it's a... <laughs> All good. Okay. Kasin Gaines, we've just got a few questions about your hopes and dreams for the future. Aaron, you're going to put that together. Yes. What's the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself since your career has taken off? Oh, boy. Um, How much I can do with so little sleep. Yeah. I think that's maybe it. You know, I I don't know if humans are supposed to um, function. I'm actually really good at putting a lot on my plate, but sometimes... I realize I put too much on my plate. And by that point, it's much too late. And all I want to do is just cry and melt into the floor. And and when that happens, but unfortunately, I often don't have the time to even do that. So I mean, it was a Jesus walked in a desert for 40 days. He could do it. And yet half of us can't even operate without a nap. (laughs) That's true. You're stranded on a deserted island with the worst possible human sci-fi character. Who would you never want to be shipwrecked with? <laughs> a human sci-fi character. Okay. Um, yeah. Because, look, monsters would be the worst, full stop. So I thought, no, I'm making it harder for you. <laughs> no, the answer would have been Jar Jar Binks, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. 
Ah, uh, human sci-fi character. That's such a good. Wow. Um, there's a lot of dickheads. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of thinking. Um. Oh wow. Oh, you know, you know who I would pick. Oh wait, wait. I can't think of his name, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the character. Okay, you'll get it. The the kind of like the guy that gets possessed in Ghostbusters. Um, not Rick Moranis. Not Rick Moranis's character. Um, but he's like he's got like a like kind of curly hair, glasses. Again, not Rick Moranis. I feel like I'm describing Rick Moranis still. Maybe it's Ghostbusters two. Maybe it's Ghostbusters two. Um, this is this is like the worst answer. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he's such an annoying character though. He really annoys me. Um, it's it's Ghostbusters oh, the boyfriend. Y- yes, yes, he's the exactly. Boyfriend of, yeah, yes, that's. I can't take him. That's exactly who I'm talking about. I hope I hope the listeners know who I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll have to. Ashamedly, I don't. I'm I'm googling names of characters in the movie. I could do the same. Let me see. Um, <laughs> I'm like positive it's Ghostbusters two. Or I'm not, actually I shouldn't say I'm positive. I think it's Ghostbusters two. No, I have no no idea. I'm looking. I'm looking. Well, I'm looking. Wikipedia way to not be helpful. Wikipedia. Wait a second. Yeah, I'm not seeing it either. Is it the first Ghostbusters? Oh, wait, it's it's um. Dr. Janos Poa? It's this guy. I'm realizing this is so not like entertain. It's this guy from Ghostbusters 2. Can you see him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. I have no idea. I'm sorry. This guy drives me absolutely nuts. He would drive he would drive you off the island. He is the uh the art restoration expert in charge of the Manhattan Museum of Art in New York City. That's what it says uh, in the description. He is the secondary villain in Ghostbusters 2, and he would be my least favorite uh, person to be stranded with. Um, and I think he counts as a sci-fi character. Yeah. This might not be a very satisfying answer, but it's my personal answer. No, he does sound really boring. I wouldn't like to sit next to him on a bus, let alone a desert island. You don't want to. You don't want to be on a on a island with an evil with an evil possessed art critic. I mean, nothing about that no. sounds even remotely entertaining. No. That's it. Sorry, Spencer. I would second that with with the EPA guy from the first Ghostbusters. I would not want to be stranded with him because he's <laughs> such a douchebag. Yeah. He's not even e- evil. He's just an asshole. <laughs> I... They've got some interesting characters in um those Ghostbusters. Like those Ghostbusters films. Sorry, I'm taking us down like a no, weird no, tangent. But like, they're god i feel bad saying this as like a pop culture person because you never know but they're like so much better in your mind than they are to like sit down and watch you know like the effects are better in your mind like everything is better in your mind than like when you actually sit down and watch them now see that's the thing when when this whole ghostbusters 2016 come out and this whole i'm not sexist i just don't need a, a new ghostbusters i was literally sitting here going what's actually so good about those original movies because yeah. i watched them recently and they weren't that funny yeah. i didn't laugh very much they weren't scary the special effects were the 80s so they weren't you know they weren't blended like we're used to now you know what i mean like i i didn't i couldn't see the attract or the affection that people had for it other than they grew up with it yeah 
But having said that, they they had a problem with the remake. Oh, I don't need a female Ghostbusters, but you need a third fucking movie where they're passing the baton on to their fucking children. Really? I, you know, look, and I I will I will proudly say, I don't really have a problem with the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah, I, I know, know, like I know that's like heresy to say, no, but that's um, not. But I thought it was I thought it was good. I mean, I saw it in theaters. I I mean, it wasn't like did it change my life? No, but I mean, there are lots of things that don't change my life, but I don't hate them and and you know uh, ruin your life yeah they don't they don't ruin my I, I don't know if i've ever seen a movie that ruined my childhood you know no matter how bad it was or what it was a remake of ruining my childhood that's that's a lot to put on a two-hour film i think but yeah speaking of movies <laughs> Seg- segways are us <laughs> Yeah, go on. Spencer, you win you win the gold medal for the best segue of the night. There you go. Yeah, that was. Well done. You're going to the perfect movie marathon on a Saturday night. What three movies are you watching and what snacks are you bringing? The Back to the Future films. Um, yeah. And I'm bringing... Oh, you know what I'm not bringing? Roads. Um, no, I'm tired. That was, a, that was a bad, we don't need a roads joke. Um... Uh, what am I bringing? I'm bringing Twizzlers. Yeah. Do you have Twizzlers okay. in Australia? Sure, right? They're the twisty raspberry licorice type things yeah. with a sherbet in the middle. No, there's no sherbet. Oh, well, we do have ones with sherbet in them, and I think we have ones without them. Yeah. So we, I don't know if we call them Twizzlers, but yeah. You have the right concept. Can also, uh, Red Vines is another, is the other name of them. Oh, Red Vines. Red Vines. No, we don't call them Red Vines. Uh, I just think we call them red licorice. Like we had, though, they're not the red licorice, but these raspberry flavored, we call them lollies, not candy, right? And they were for many years called red skins. And that's obviously changed now, right? And they changed the name to red rippers. So, of course, all the conservatives, all the right wingers were like, oh, good on ya. Now you've named it after a serial killer. I'm offended. I can't eat it now. Mm. And I'm like, Okay, a racial slur or a, a racial term versus a serial killer? Really? You hmm. think that's worse, you absolute morons. Anyway, sorry, that's society <laughs> for you. Sorry. I, yeah, back to the future. I kind of did expect that answer, to be honest. <laughs> if you uh, Can I say, though, but oh, that, that's only because you limited me to three, but if you had said any film series, I would have said Planet of the Apes. Oh, Wow. I love that series. But the but the three the three is what is what made it is what made it back. And that reboot series was freaking fantastic as well. Yeah, I love I love the old. I mean, I love the the reboot series, but I love the the original five. Yeah, love them, love them, love them. Yep. Yeah, me too. And the TV series. Playlist. Sorry, Spencer, off the rails again. If you could leave a message for yourself in twenty years' time, what reminder or message do you have for yourself? Trust your instincts always actually i'm going to say continue to trust your instincts because yeah. i i actually do i actually i've always kind of been good with that i don't um not that i i'm not like impulsive but i tend to not be too afraid to try things yeah um but i would hope that i don't lose that because it's it's done pretty well for me so far kasin out there 20 years older then you are now, you better be following your instincts. And if Trust it, your instincts, you old man. And if it's led you up the wrong path, then stop following your instincts because clearly it's led you up the wrong path. <laughs> Anyways. 
Ooh, this is my question. Uh, yeah. Most out-of-body experience you've had watching someone perform on stage? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I know the answer. Oh, I hope this counts because technically it wasn't on stage. My mother and I, um, in September, went to go see Diana Ross at Radio City Music wow. Hall. Queen. And we were, wait, wait for this, wait for this, wait for this. Yeah. So... We we bought the tickets. We yeah, you know, obviously you just get the tickets that Ticketmaster spits out, and you you buy the first ones because you don't know if you're going to be able to get them again. Yep. Um, and Diana Ross, unexpected unexpected to us, um, enters singing "I'm Coming Out" from the back of the house, and out of all of Radio City Music Hall, she came down the aisle that we were sitting one seat from the aisle on and so we saw her from about six feet away and i we both screamed and could not believe it was a shock we didn't know it was could not believe that we were that close to diana ross opening her concert and that was an out-of-body experience for sure oh wow did she smell like perfection she you can see if you go to my instagram you have to i'll send it to you i'll, I'll tweet it to you um but there's a uh I caught video of it because I was just catching the, uh, I was just recording like the, um, the opening screen, you know, video. Yeah. And then I heard screaming behind me. So my, you can see my phone whips around and Diana Ross is like right there. And I'm like, Oh, oh wow. So yeah, totally a surprise. Totally a surprise. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. That's not on stage. Will you count it as my answer? Even though it wasn't on stage technically. Well, it's on a stage. It was performing. It was, it was on a carpet. It was, a, it was on a, <laughs> making her way. It was on a carpet on the, she was making a journey to the stage. Yes. 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 Okay. I just want to make sure I, I, that the answer counted, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, look, I'm not writing off that answer at all. No way. Not, not Queen Diana. We are not worth it. As soon as she said her name, I heard angels. Did you see me look up? I heard angels and harps and the clouds opened up. <laughs> I love her. Anyway, Spencer, or is it me? No, it's me. Uh, no, it's it's you. You spelled favorite wrong. I spelled favorite correctly in the correct English way since they invented the fucking language. <laughs> F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T-E. Anyways, favorite childhood memory that still makes you laugh today. Um, favorite childhood memory that still makes me laugh. Um, or cry, or cry, whichever one. I don't know if I have a memory that makes me laugh today. Like I, I, I had a wonderful childhood. I, I don't, yep. I didn't have like a tragic childhood, but I can't. Um, one that really makes me laugh. I don't know. I don't know the thing that keeps sticking in my brain, which I don't know why it is, but like I just remember there was one year that um we all got nintendos my i was saying we all my cousins and i i didn't have my my younger brother is 12 years younger than me so i grew up wow. for a lot of my life as like a single child it's going to be um but i had cousins that were very close in age and my grandfather used to dress as santa claus which we never questioned <laughs> and um and one year he gave us all nintendos and that is like a memory that's like seared in my brain as being like a really nice memory. It doesn't make me laugh. It doesn't make me cry either. It just kind of like makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And so fills you with I'll... joy. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fine. Uh, and last question. We'll end on a fun one. Disneyland versus Universal Studios. Which theme park reigns supreme? I'm going to go with. I think I have to go with Universal only because 
only because I can only take so much Disney. I know I have a lot of people in my life, like a disturbing amount of people that are obsessed with Disney. <laughs> and I just, I, I see, I, I, you know what? I can't, like, I wish, you know what? Honestly, it's like, I wish I could, um, I think I would like Disney more if people weren't obsessed with it. Is that fair to say? It's like a turn off. You know, it's like when you like, you don't want to see the movie that every, you don't want to see Twilight or like the movie that like everyone's obsessed with. So you, you kind of get this wall. I, I'm a little like that with Disney. Yeah. It's like Parks and Recreation. I found when it first started as this tiny little six week show. Like I watched it when it first dropped on NBC. Well, I illegally downloaded it. Um, and then it got a season two. Right. And I came back for season two, but then suddenly over season three and four, it started exploding into this massive show. And I stopped watching it because everyone was watching it. And I don't need to watch it anymore, do I? Because I am <laughs> that petty, anyways. <laughs> Leslie Nope doesn't need me. No. But um, Ron Swanson does, or I need him. Anyways, that's another podcast for another day. <laughs> But yes, no, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's obviously been such a whirlwind for you lately. and No problem. Thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to work this out. I really yeah. am. And I, I really genuinely appreciate the music selection. I'm, I'm not bullshitting you. I really enjoyed it. So I, I liked it. And Spencer, if you're around next week, come by the, the Museum of Broadway. I'll be there and I would love to meet you in person. For sure. I will. Uh... You said Wednesday? It's Wednesday at six, but I think you have to register, but the registration's free. Like there's no, there's no cost to go. And if you want to get a book, you can get a book. And if you don't want to get a book, that's fine too. Plugs, plugs, sorry, plugs. Oh yeah. Plugs. We completely, because we don't usually do them because performers have been not performing lately. Yeah. Yeah. So it sort of feels rude saying, have you got anything to plug? Now we do. And they're like, no. Now we do. (laughs) And we completely forgot. So sorry to cut you off then. I just wanted to remember before we... No problem. So, Spencer, do you want to... Have you got anything to plug? Well, I have a new book, When Broadway Was Black, and it is out on February 7th. You can pick it up wherever books are sold, and um, I hope you enjoy it. Follow me on social media. Let me know how you like it. Yeah, awesome. Look forward to that. Hopefully it will be released in Australia as well, Um, although it will be the 8th by then. yeah, so that's tomorrow, actually, for anyone listening to this on the day this episode drops. We're timing it to drop the day before the book is released. So best of luck with it all. I'm, I'm so excited for you. As I say, look, I you caught my attention with your nerd books, your E.T. and your Back to the Future and, you know, Pee-wee's Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. Oh, my God, fathers. Um, yeah, so that's sort of why I was sort of looking to to invite you on the show and then you're like oh, i've got this theater book and i'm like hang on a second <laughs> wait where did that come from um and so yeah i sort of jumped out of it so i'm, I'm yeah i'm very grateful thank you so much for, for joining us thank you i appreciate it i appreciate both of you thank you so much you've been such a great guest thanks so much for joining us before we go where can people find you on the socials i am everywhere at cassine games that's c-a-s-e-e-n-g-a-i-n-e-s um that's and by everywhere i mean twitter instagram facebook tiktok that's my everywhere i don't i mean yeah. linkedin if you really want i mean if that if that counts as social <laughs> um so i guess i'm there too um yeah that's the place to to find me yeah that's it from us we'll both be back next week with our 70th guest so until then you take care and we shall see you next time. See ya. Hooray.
Awesome, well done, Spencer. I am so. Blood!